Chapter Thirteen of Master of the Vineyard by Myrtle Reed. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Stain of the Rose. Alden had put Rosemary aside as though in a mental pigeonhole. If vague thoughts of her came now and then to trouble him, he showed no sign of it. As weeks and months had sometimes passed without a meeting, why should it be different now? moreover he was busy as she must know with the vineyard and school and a guest he had ordered several books on the subject of vine culture and was reading a great deal though a close observer might have noted long intervals in which he took no heed of the book but stared dreamily into space he saw edith at the table and in the evenings and occasionally at afternoon tea a pleasant custom which she and madame never failed to observe but she seemed to make it a point not to trespass upon his daylight hours the apple blossoms had gone blown in fragrant drifts afar upon field and meadow the vineyard lay lazily upon its southern slope basking in the sun sometimes a wandering wind brought a fresh scent of lusty leaves or a divine hint of bloom the old-fashioned square piano long silent was open now and had been put in order in the evenings after dinner edith would play dreamily in the dusk or by the light of one candle the unshaded light shining full upon her face brought out the delicacy of her profile and allured stray gleams from the burnished masses of her hair in the soft shadows that fell around her she sat like saint cecilia unconscious of self and of the man who sat far back in a corner of the room never taking his eyes from her face wistfulness was in every line of her face and figure from the small white shod foot that rested upon the pedal to the glorious hair that shimmered and shone but still held its tangled light safely in its silken strands the long line from shoulder to wrist the smooth satiny texture of the rounded arm bare below the elbow the delicate hands so beautifully cared for all seemed eloquent with yearning alden from his safe point of observation feasted his soul to the full the ivory whiteness of her neck shaded imperceptibly into the creamy lace of her gown underneath her firm well-rounded chin on the left side was a place that was almost a dimple but not quite there was a real dimple in her chin and another at each corner of her mouth where the full scarlet lips drooped a little from sadness star-like her brown eyes searched the far shadows and sometimes the flicker of the candle brought a dancing glint of gold into their depths and as always like a halo stray gleams hovered about her head bent slightly forward now and full into the light throwing into faint relief the short straight nose and the full short upper lip smiling and wholly unconscious it was as though she pleaded with the instrument to give her back some half-forgotten melody presently the strings answered shyly at first then in full soft chords that sang and crooned through the dusk alden in his remote corner drew a long breath of rapture the ineffable sweetness of her pervaded his house not alone with the scent of violets but with the finer more subtle fragrance of her personality she wore no jewels except her wedding ring not even the big blazing diamond with which her husband had sealed their betrothal she had a string of pearls and a quaint oriental necklace set with jade and sometimes she wore one or two turquoises or a great pale sapphire set in silver but that was all out of the world of glitter and sparkle she had chosen these few things that suited her and was content from another corner came the sound of slow deep breathing 
outside the circle of candlelight madame had fallen asleep in her chair the full june moon had shadowed the net curtain upon the polished floor and laid upon it in silhouette an arabesque of oak leaves it touched madame's silvered hair to almost unearthly beauty as she leaned back with her eyes closed and brought a memory of violets and sun from the gold tasseled amethyst that hung on her breast the small slender hands lay quietly one on either arm of her chair a white crepe shawl heavy with chinese embroidery lay over her shoulders a gift from edith a summer wind like a playful child stole into the room lifted the deep silk fringe of the shawl made merry with it for a moment then tinkled the prisms on the chandelier and ran away again the fairy-like sound of it as though it were a far sweet bell chimed in with edith's dreamy chords and brought her to herself with a start she turned quickly saw that madame was asleep and stopped playing go on said alden in a low tone please do i mustn't she whispered with her finger on her lips your mother is asleep and i don't want to disturb her evidently you haven't he laughed hush edith's full deep contralto took on an affected sternness you mustn't talk but i've got to he returned shall we go outdoors yes if you like don't you want a wrap of some sort yes wait a moment and i'll get it no tell me where it is and i'll go it's only a white chiffon scarf she said i think you'll find it hanging from the back of that low rocker near the dressing-table he went upstairs silently and swiftly and paused for a moment at edith's door it seemed strange to have her permission to turn the knob and go in he hesitated upon the threshold then entered the sweet darkness which to him would have meant edith had been blown to him across the wastes of sahara how still it was only the cheery piping of a cricket broke the exquisite peace of the room only a patch of moonlight upon the polished floor illumined the scented dusk he struck a match and lighted one of the candles upon the dressing-table the place was eloquent of her as though she had just gone out the carved ivory toilet articles he could have guessed that she would not have silver ones the crystal puff-box with a gold top ornamented only by a monogram no it was not a monogram either but interlaced initials trailing diagonally across it the mirror a carelessly crumpled handkerchief and a gold thimble he picked up each article with a delightful sense of intimacy face down upon the dressing-table was a photograph framed in dull green leather that too he took up without stopping to question the propriety of it a man's face smiled back at him a young happy face full of comradeship and the joy of life for its own sake this then was her husband alden's heart grew hot with resentment at the man who had made edith miserable he had put those sad lines under her eyes that showed so plainly sometimes when she was tired made her sweet mouth droop at the corners and filled her whole personality with the wistfulness that struck at his heart like the wistfulness of a little child this man with a jovial countenance and doubtless genial ways had the right to stand at her dressing-table if he chose and speculate upon the various uses of all the daintiness that was spread before him he had the right and cared nothing for it while the man who did care stood there shamefaced all at once feeling himself an intruder in a sacred place he put the photograph back face down as it had been took the scarf put out the light and went back downstairs he stopped for a moment in the hall to wonder what this was that assailed him so strangely 
this passionate bitterness against the other man this longing to shelter edith from whatever might make her unhappy the living-room was dark in her moonlit corner madame still slept from where he stood he could see the dainty little lavender-clad figure enwrapped in its white shawl there was no sign of edith in the room so he went out upon the veranda guessing that he should find her there she had taken out two chairs a favourite rocker of her own and the straight-backed deep chair in which alden usually sat when he was reading the chairs faced each other with a little distance between them edith sat in hers rocking with her hands crossed behind her head and her little white feet stretched out in front of her without speaking alden went back for a footstool then he turned edith chair and all toward the moonlight slipped the footstool under her feet laid the fluttering length of chiffon over her shoulders and brought his own chair farther forward why she laughed as he sat down do you presume to change my arrangements because i want to see your face didn't it occur to you that i might want to see yours not especially my son she said in her most matronly manner kindly remember that a woman past her first youth always prefers to sit with her back toward the light i'm older than you are he reminded her so don't be patronizing in years only she returned in worldly wisdom and experience and all the things that count i'm almost as old as your mother is sometimes she added bitterly i feel as though i were a thousand a shadow crossed his face but as his figure loomed darkly against the moon edith did not see it the caressing glamour of the light revealed the sad sweetness of her mouth but presently her lips curved upward in a forced smile why is it she asked that moonlight makes one think i didn't know it did he replied i thought it was supposed to have quite the opposite effect it doesn't with me in the sun i'm sane and have control of myself but nights like this drive me almost mad sometimes why he asked gently leaning toward her oh i don't know she sighed there's so much i might have that i haven't then she added suddenly what did you think of my husband's picture the end of the chiffon scarf rose to meet a passing breeze then fell back against the softness of her arm a great grey-winged night-moth fluttered past them from the high bough of a distant maple came the frightened twitter of little birds wakeful in the night and the soft murmurous voice of the brooding mother soothing them how did you know asked alden slowly oh i just knew you were looking at my dressing-table first and you picked out the picture without thinking then as soon as you knew who it was you put it down found the scarf and came out do you love him no that is i don't think i do but oh she added with a sharp indrawing of her breath how i did love him and he alden went on does he love you i suppose so in his way as much as he is capable of caring for anything except himself he cares for me she rose and walked restlessly along the veranda the man following her with his eyes until she reached the latticed end where a climbing crimson rose in full bloom breathed the fragrance of some far persian garden reaching up she picked one on a long slender stem alden appeared beside her with his knife in his hand shall i take off the thorns for you no i'm used to thorns besides the wise ones are those who accept things as they are she thrust the stem into her belt found a pin from somewhere and pinned the flower itself upon the creamy lace of her gown 
it's just over your heart he said is your heart a rose too as far as thorns go yes she leaned back against one of the white columns of the porch she was facing the moonlight but the lattice and the rose shaded her with fragrant dusk father and mother planted this rose alden said the day they were married how lovely she answered without emotion but to think that the rose has outlived one and probably will outlive the other mother says she hopes it will she wants to leave it here for me and my problematical children the tribal sense runs rampant in mother when are you and miss star going to be married asked edith idly alden started how did you know he demanded roughly possessing himself of her hands who told you mother or miss star neither replied edith coldly releasing herself i just knew i beg your pardon she added hastily of course it's none of my affair but it is he said under his breath then coming closer he took her hands again look here edith there's something between you and me do you know it how do you mean she tried to speak lightly but her face was pale you know very well what i mean how do you know what i think what i do what i am and the nights no don't try to get away from me from that first night when i woke at four and knew you were crying to that other night when you knew it was i who was awake with you and all the nights since when the tide of time has turned between three and four i've known your thoughts your hopes your dreams as you've known mine and the next day he went on when you avoid me even with your eyes when you try to hide with laughter and light words your consciousness of the fact that the night before you and i have met somewhere in some mysterious way and known each other as though we were face to face can you be miserable and i not know it can i be tormented by a thousand doubts and you not know it could you be ill or troubled or even perplexed and i not know though the whole world lay between us answer me edith's face was very white and her lips almost refused to move oh boy she whispered brokenly what does it mean this he answered imperiously it means this and now he took her into his arms crushing her to him so tightly that she almost cried out with the delicious pain of it in the rose-scented shadow his mouth found hers time and space were no more at the portal of the lips soul met soul the shaded veranda and even the house itself faded away only this new-born ecstasy lived like a flaming star suddenly come to earth madame stirred in her sleep then she called drowsily alden edith no one answered because no one heard she got up smothering a yawn behind her hand wondered that there were no lights waited a moment heard nothing and came to the window the moon flooded the earth with enchantment a silvery ocean of light breaking upon earth-bound shores a path of it lay along the veranda opal and tourmaline and pearl sharply turned aside by the shadow of the rose madame drew her breath quickly there they stood partly in the dusk and partly in the light close in each other's arms with the misty silver lying lovingly upon edith's hair she sank back into a chair remembering with vague terror the vision she had seen in the crystal ball 
so then it was true as she might have known sorely troubled and with her heart aching for them both she crept upstairs boy whispered edith shrinking from him oh boy the whole world lies between you and me his only answer was to hold her closer still to turn her mouth again to his not to-night he breathed with his lips on hers god has given us to-night white and shaken but with her eyes shining like stars at last she broke away from him she turned toward the house but he caught her and held her back say it he pleaded say you love me i do she whispered oh have pity and let me go and i he answered with his face illumined love you with all my heart and soul and strength and will with every fibre of my being for now and for ever i am yours absolutely while earth holds me and even beyond that edith looked up quickly half afraid his eyes were glowing with strange sweet fires say it he commanded tell me you are mine i am she breathed god knows i am but no i had forgotten for the moment she broke into wild sobbing and he put his arm around her with infinite tenderness hush he said as one might speak to a child what has been does not matter nothing matters now but this in all the ways of heaven you are mine mine for always by divine right yes she said simply and lifted her tear-stained face to his he kissed her again not with passion but with that same indescribable tenderness neither said a word they went into the house together he found her a candle lighted it and gave it to her she took it from him smiling though her hands trembled back in the shadow he watched her as she ascended with a look of exaltation upon her face crimson petals were falling all around her and he saw the stain of the rose upon her white gown where he had crushed it against her heart neither slept until the tide of the night began to turn swiftly to her through the throbbing living darkness came a question and a call mine back surged the unmistakable answer thine then to both came dreamless peace End of chapter 13